All right, well, it's great to welcome all of you who are joining us through our online campus today. Thank you for making worship a priority this weekend. If you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and take it and turn to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Find chapter 43 and just hold that ready for a few minutes. This is our annual back to school weekend, which has been one of our favorite weekends here at the church for a long, long time because it gives us the opportunity to see and pray for our students as they get ready to return to school. But not just our students, it also gives us the opportunity to see and pray for all of our members and friends who serve our students throughout the school year. I'm talking about teachers and administrators and bus drivers and people who work in the cafeteria staff and on and on and on. There are so many people who take care of our kids, our students throughout the school year. And so this is a weekend set aside to honor all of them. Now, I know that many of you who are joining us have never been to a service at Mount Pleasant, and so you're not familiar with Back to School Weekend. I thought I would try to help you with that by just taking a few minutes to show you some pictures that I took at our Back to School Weekend 2018. That was a special Back to School Weekend because we introduced what we called the PASS Challenge to our church family. The, the word PASS is used as an acrostic and it stands for pray always for staff and for students. And uh, when we brought the kids down front on that weekend, I uh, had a little bit of time as they were getting set in their positions and so I took some silly selfies with them and I think we're gonna show you some of those pictures and you can just see a, a lot of smiling faces. You can see the enthusiasm among the kids. Um, you can see some kids who are thinking, my pastor has lost his mind, but most of them really enjoyed it. And then uh, the final picture that I have there for you to see is a picture of me and my granddaughter, Grace, who was the inspiration. She was my inspiration for coming up with the past challenge because when she uh, went to kindergarten. She's going to be in the fourth grade this year, but when she went to kindergarten, uh, I uh, developed a habit of every time I would drive past her school during the day is I would pray out loud for her safety and her protection. And uh, that's where I got the idea to challenge our church staff uh, that that's something we should be doing as believers every time we drove by a school anywhere, and that's praying for the safety and the protection of all the staff and all the students. Hopefully those pictures will give you a little bit of a glimpse of why we love back to school weekend so much. You know, I'm sure you would agree with me that one of the biggest challenges we've all faced related to the COVID-19 virus has been the decisions made about returning to some sense of what we think of as normal. I know here at church, while we never stopped being the church, we stopped in-person worship on the weekend of March the 14th and 15th. And for the next 17 weeks, uh, we met exclusively online. Now, after a lot of prayer, we took a small step back to in-person worship on the weekend of July 11th and 12th. And while that's been a good thing, it's been a refreshing thing for several hundred of our people, the vast majority of our church family has continued to worship online, which is okay. Uh, we are living in unprecedented times, at least for most of us. And there is no template or handbook to teach us how to navigate this virus uh, we simply have a lot of conversations, a lot of consultations, and most important, uh, we spend a lot of time in prayer. And the difficulty of planning next steps uh, is certainly not limited to church. I know that decisions made with regard to reopening our schools and whether or not individual families would be sending their kids back to school or pursuing e-learning or maybe even some 
other alternative when it came to education. I know that's been very difficult for many of you. And so in thinking about all of this and in thinking about how I might be able to encourage you today on this back to school weekend, I decided that what I wanna do is just spend some time focusing on some specific promises from God that apply not just to the different concerns of everyone who is about to return to school, but to all of us. Recently, I was reading a sermon illustration about the old television show, The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. That show ran on PBS back in the 1980s and the 1990s. Maybe uh, some of you remember that. Honestly, I can remember the show, but not because I ever watched it. What I remember most about that television show, The Joy of Painting, was Bob Ross's hair. He had a great big afro. I think we're showing you a picture of him uh, as I share that. Well, but when I was reading about this old show, uh, the writer described Bob Ross as the textbook definition of laid back. That's how he described him, the textbook definition of laid back. And he said that he especially liked the way that Bob Ross, during the course of a show, would deal with mistakes. Apparently, Bob Ross had a favorite saying when he painted, there are no mistakes in painting, only happy accidents. And so if you accidentally splattered, for example, a big splotch of orange paint across the middle of a mountain scene, he wouldn't tell you to throw away the canvas and start all over again. Instead, what he would do was he would try to show you a way to incorporate that happy accident into your painting, work around it, and keep on working on your masterpiece. Now, if you think about it, that's a pretty good metaphor for life. As we try to paint or create the reality of our lives, we're going to experience a lot of splotches, to use a painting term, and maybe that's not even a real painting term, but it sounds good to me. There are going to be times in our lives when the unexpected happens. Uh, relationships will unravel, jobs will be lost, health problems will come along, and something even as unexpected and unknown as a worldwide pandemic will bring pretty much everything that we're familiar with in life to a screeching halt. And so the obvious question becomes, what do we do? How do we respond? Do we give up and throw away the canvas, so to speak? Do we forget about ever having a normal life again? And the answer to those questions is no, absolutely not. What we do is we learn to incorporate the unexpected splotches into the canvas of our lives and our families. And the only way to do that successfully is by having the right attitude. And here's the most important thing I can say to you about your attitude. If you're a Christian, your attitude needs to be shaped by the truth of God's Word because God's Word reveals to us the truth about God. And that takes us to our passage in Isaiah chapter 43. And so, if you've got your Bibles open there, I want you to follow along as I read Isaiah 43 verses 1 through 7. Here's what we read. But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. Cush and Seba in your stead. 
Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from east and gather them, or excuse me, and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now, before I really look at this passage, I want to give you a little bit of a context for Isaiah 43. I don't know how familiar you are with the Old Testament, and it's okay if you're not. I'll try to make this really simple. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 all the way through Isaiah chapter 55 deals with the end of a period of time known as the Babylonian exile. And again, you don't have to know what that is to be able to follow along with this. Basically, because God's people had sinned, God allowed them to be overthrown by the Babylonians and taken into exile as slaves. But now, uh, near the end of their exile, God begins to give them words of comfort and hope and the promise of a return to Jerusalem. In fact, if I just hold my place in Isaiah 43 and I turn back a couple of pages to Isaiah chapter 40 where all of this begins, you, you see that comfort. In, in the first couple of verses from Isaiah 40, this is what we read. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And when God says that they had received double from the Lord's hand, He's basically saying, listen, you've been punished more than enough. It's time for this to come to an end. Now, as you continue reading on from Isaiah 40 to where we are in Isaiah 43, you see that God still has some anger about their sin and their disobedience. You see that in particular in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 18 through 25. But God's tone changes back to one of comfort and hope when we get to our passage in Isaiah 43. And so here's the bottom line. What we see in Isaiah 43 is the grace of God that sustains His people in and through any difficulty, even the difficulties that they had created for themselves. And while the words of our text, Isaiah 43, are written specifically for God's people, the people of Judah, they also reflect a truism about God's grace that is for all of us. And here's that truism. We can count on God's grace when we encounter the difficulties of life. Let me say that again because these are the words I really want everyone to hear this weekend. We can count on God's grace when we encounter the difficulties of life. That was true for God's people in the Old Testament, and it's true for all of us as God's people today. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three promises from God's grace that can sustain you in difficult times. And while these promises are for all of us all the time, I think they are especially relevant for our students and their parents and all of you who serve students in some capacity, whether you're a teacher, administrator, a bus driver, you serve in the cafeteria staff or whatever. As we go back to school, these truths are especially relevant for all of you. Here's the first promise of God's grace that I want to talk to you about, and I'm just going to simply use one single word to describe each promise. And so if you're someone who likes to take notes and you're taking notes somewhere, then the first thing I would have you write down is this single word, and that's the word ownership. 
I'm going to look back at Isaiah 43, and I'm going to read verse 1 again. You follow along, or you listen close. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Here's what that verse tells us about God's relationship with His people. And again, this was true for the nation of Judah when it was written, but it continues to be true for everyone today who is a part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. He tells us there are four things that we need to understand about God and His relationship to us as His children. He created you, He formed you, He redeemed you, and He summoned you or called you by name. And if you put all four of those things together, there's only one conclusion you can come to, and that's this. You belong to God. And if there's any doubt about that, it's cleared up when at the end of verse 1, God comes right out and says, you are mine. And let me say this again. What was true for God's people in the Old Testament is true for you today if you're a Christian. You belong to God. When you heard the gospel or the good news about how Jesus came into the world to die on the cross in your, pace, in your place and pay the penalty for your sin, and as a result, you put your faith and your trust in Him, your life was completely changed. Jesus purchased your life with His death, and now you belong to Him. Now you belong to God. There's this great picture in Revelation chapter 5, in particular verse 9. John is describing this scene where Jesus is being, is being worshipped with a song that says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain. Now note this, the next thing says, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation. If you're a Christian today, you belong to God. You, you need to understand that ownership. You belong to God. And don't make the mistake of thinking that God's commitment to you is only as strong as your commitment to Him. Because the truth is, there's going to be times in all of our lives when we fail. We're going to go through times when we are willfully disobedient to God. We're going to go through times when we don't keep our promises to God. We're going to go through times where our faith is weak, but we still belong to God. And because of that, His love and His grace and His mercy are always available to us. You know, we have so many questions about the future right now. There are so many unknowns. I know for some of you, there is some real anxiety happening in your life because you have questions about what it looks like for your students to go back to school, or you have questions about what it looks like for you to go back to school as a teacher or someone who serves students. All of those questions, the unknowns can re result in fear and anxiety that can at times feel overwhelming. We wonder if our lives are ever going to be normal again. Well, I want you to know that the best thing I can tell you today is that if you are a Christian, or that maybe the better way to say it is the best thing that I can remind you of today, because I hope you already know this is true, 
if you are a Christian, you belong to God and He is never going to give up on you. His grace will be with you as you walk into any unknown circumstance or situation. And that's a promise you can hang on to. You belong to God. Here's the second word that describes the second promise. It's the word protection. I want you to look back with me in Isaiah 43 at verses 2 through 6. We go on to read, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now we read some powerful words in that passage, and I'm thinking in particular about the words of verse 2. And I want you to notice something about those words there in verse 2 where he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I want you to notice something very important about those words. God doesn't tell His people that He's going to keep them from difficulty. In this case, He describes the difficulty with the words water and fire. What He does is He tells them that He will protect them in the midst of the difficulty. He says, when you walk through the water, the water won't sweep over you. That makes me think of a flood, and I think we all know the danger of a flood. He says, and when you walk through the fire, you won't be burned or set ablaze. You know what's easy as we go through our lives as believers? What's easy is interpreting, and I'll use just the terminology of Isaiah 43 and verse 2 here. It's interpreting that the water and the flood and the fire are the evidence that God has abandoned us. It's easy to interpret the water and the fire as evidence that God has abandoned us. And that's what many people do. I have had numerous conversations with people who have talked about difficulty they've faced in their life and come to the conclusion that because of the difficulty, God had abandoned them. But you can't believe that. You can't give in to that lie because that's what it is. It's a lie. Let me tell you what the water and the flood are. They are simply evidence that we as believers go through difficult times in our lives just like everyone else. The Bible never tries to teach us anything different. I don't know if you'll remember this, and this won't be familiar to those of you who have just joined us since... Uh, the COVID-19 virus showed up, but those of you who have been a part of the Mount Pleasant or Impact family for some time, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when we studied through the Gospel of Matthew, and this has not been all that long ago, in a sermon series called Let's Talk About Jesus, we went from uh, chapter 1 in the Gospel of Matthew all the way through chapter 28. When we were studying the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, then we talked about these particular words that are found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. 
Jesus says he, he's talking about God here, he says he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Let me read those words again. He, and again, that's a reference to God, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, this is a truth regardless of how much we want to believe or convince ourselves that it's not. This is something that is always true. Everyone, and if you were here with me right now, I would say everyone say everyone. Everyone faces difficulty in life. Honestly, some more than others, but everyone faces difficulty in life. And there's nothing in the Bible that teaches us that that's not true, that teaches us otherwise. Recently, I read a story about Viktor Frankl, who was a German psychiatrist who spent most of World War II as a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp. Years later, when he wrote his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he told the story of how one day his six-year-old daughter asked him, Daddy, why do you always refer to God as the good Lord? And he said, because he is good to us. And then he went on to say, remember when you had the measles a few weeks ago? He helped you get over them. God helped you get over them. But his daughter quickly responded, yes, but daddy, don't forget he was the one who gave me the measles in the first place. Now, we could choose to just dismiss that as nothing more than a child's simple perspective about God. But if we're honest, many of us would have to say that that's our perspective at times as well. Instead of seeing God as the one who sustains us in difficulty, instead of seeing God as the one who delivers us from difficulty, sometimes we fixate on the idea that it was God who created the difficulty in the first place. But if you're a Christian, you can't think like that. That kind of thinking will never work in your favor, and that kind of thinking will never help you in your life to get better or to move forward. If you tell yourself that God is the source of all the trouble and all the difficulty that you experience in life, then you're going to go through life feeling like a victim. But if you choose to focus on the truth that while God does sometimes allow trouble and difficulty to come into our lives, and sometimes we don't understand it, what's most important is hanging on to the promise that He will be with us through the trouble and the difficulty, that He will be with us no matter what we face, that He will help us to get through it, and He will help us to overcome it. If you can hold on to that promise, it will make a huge difference in your life. You know, the truth is, sometimes the trouble and the difficulty that comes into our life is our own fault. We want to blame God, but in all actuality, it's our own fault. I saw an interesting quote the other day on some social media site, it said, everything happens for a reason, and sometimes the reason is that you're stupid. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about that, and I'm certainly not saying that every bad thing you experience is your fault. I'm just saying this. I know for myself, if I were just speaking solely for me, I know for myself some of the trouble and some of the difficulty that I've in, in, encountered and experienced in my life was the result of my own bad choices. But the bottom line is this, regardless of where it comes from, instead of getting caught up in where it comes from, and certainly instead of getting 
caught up in blaming God for the trouble and the difficulty. Don't look at Him as the source of the trouble and difficulty. Instead, look to Him for the strength and the help that you need to overcome it, to get through it. The promise of the Scripture, the promise of God's grace is that He's going to protect you. Just like we saw in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Let's just focus our attention, especially in uncertain times, in unknown times like we're living. Let's focus our attention on the protection of God. The protection of God to give us the strength that we need to withstand and even overcome the unpredictable difficulties of life. Let me give you a third word that describes a third promise. The third word, write this down somewhere, is the word success. And I'm going to go back to Isaiah 43 and the latter part of verse 6 through verse 7 to make this point. This is what we read. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now note this. Everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Did you catch what God said? He said that He created us for His glory. And just like that was true for the people He was writing about or talking about in the context of Isaiah 43, the people of the Old Testament that were His children, it's also true for us today who by faith in Christ are His children as well. He created us, God created us for His glory, which is to say He created us to bring Him glory. And let me tell you something that I discovered in my own life a long time ago, and it's not just true for me, it's true for all of us. I have more potential to bring God glory in my life by the way I handle the difficulties of life than by the way I handle the blessings of life. Because when I persevere and I triumph through the difficulties of life, the people who are watching my life will say, wow, look at what God is doing or look at what God has done in his life. And it's the same for you. It's the same truth for you. Friends, there's a difference, or at least there should be, in the way believers and non-believers respond to the difficulty and the trouble of life. Let's make sure that we respond in a way that brings glory to God. And we can do that when we remember that we belong to God and that God's grace protects us and carries us through the difficulties of life. I mentioned Viktor Frankl earlier, the psychiatrist uh, who spent the majority of the war of World War II in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a tragic time for him in his life. He lost his wife, he lost his unborn child, he lost his elderly parents during that war. And then of course, as I mentioned, he spent several years in prison. In that book I mentioned a moment ago that he wrote later on in his life, Man's Search for Meaning, he wrote something that I have shared with you before and I know you've probably seen and heard and read in other settings. He wrote, everything can be taken from a man but one thing the last of the human freedoms to choose 
one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. We all know that there are circumstances that we can't control, but we are always able to control what matters the most, and that is our attitude toward the events that we face in life. And so, here's what I want to do as we come to the end of this. I, I want to pray for all of you who are students, who are returning to school. Uh, I, I want to pray for all of you who serve students. Again, I, I said earlier, and I'll say again, teachers, administrators, uh, bus drivers, cafeteria staff, assistants, everyone who works in a school setting, everyone who serves students in a school setting. And, and, and it doesn't matter what capacity or what setting. It can be in a public school, a private school. It can be a home school, whatever the setting is that you have chosen. I'm going to add one more category to the people that I'm going to pray about right now on this back to school weekend. And I'm going to also pray for the parents of all of our students, because I know that many of you are filled with a lot of uh, anxiety and concern. Listen, as a grandparent, I'm filled with anxiety and uh, some level of anxiety and concern about my granddaughter and my oldest grandson who are going back to public school and my youngest grandson who's going back to preschool. There's some real anxiety and, and even fear in our lives about uh, the unknown of this school year related to the COVID-19 virus. Uh, so I'm going to pray for all of you right now. And this is going to be different from all our other years, you saw those pictures earlier of all our kids gathered on staff. I wasn't able to show you, I didn't have any pictures to show you of all of our teachers and people who serve students down front, but this is the, that's the way we've always done it in the past. So it's gonna be different this year uh, as I pray for you, but here's what I want you to remember above everything else as I pray for you and as you deal with whatever level of anxiety or, or fear that you might have about uh, the unknown of returning to school. I want you to remember that you belong to God. If you're a Christian, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you belong to God. And if that doesn't describe you today, then uh, I, I would strongly, strongly encourage you and appeal to you to reach out to your online service host and, and share with them that you'd like to know more about what it means to become a Christian and let them uh, take that from there and help you with that. So I, I want to remind you first, before I pray, that you belong to God. I want to remind you second, that because you belong to God, you can count on His protection. Remember, we talked about the truth that God doesn't keep bad things from happening in our lives sometimes. He doesn't, he doesn't keep difficulty or trouble from happening in our lives, but He promises us that He's with us through it, that He can help us overcome it. So remember, you can count on His protection. And the third thing I want you to remember is that how you handle this school year as a parent, as a student, as a teacher or whatever, how you handle this school year gives you the opportunity to bring glory to God. And that's why we were created, to bring glory to God. So I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna do this in a special way. Our worship team is going to come and they're gonna share a song uh, called The Blessing. I want you to let the words just sweep over you as you listen. And at the conclusion of the song, uh, I'm gonna pray for you. One last thing, and, and then we'll close the service uh, as we normally do, but one last thing. As you worship with us uh, through our online campus and we have this time of prayer, uh, we would love it if you would just tell us who you are and maybe where you are and who exactly it is that we're praying for. Maybe you could give us the names of your students. Maybe if you're a teacher or you work in the school system somehow, you could give us your name 
and the setting. Uh, maybe your spouse works in the school system. We would just love to have that information. You can just do it in the comment section. We're not trying to be intrusive with this. We just want to know uh, the people that we're praying for so we can continue to pray for you as we move forward. So I'm going to say a brief prayer here. Uh, we're going to have the song, and then at the end of the song, I'm going to pray for all of you. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share uh, what I hope are some words of encouragement uh, and, and even maybe hope with the people who are worshiping through our online campus today. And I pray, Father, uh, that you would reinforce these truths in each of their lives. Uh, everyone who is listening, uh, if, you, if you're a Christian, you belong to God. Since you belong to God, you can count on God's protection. And the way we handle the difficulties and the unknowns of life give us the opportunity to bring glory to God. I pray those would be very real to us today, and I ask that in Jesus' name, amen.